Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Hello and welcome back to Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here as I am every week with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. We talk about one prospect at a time from two different perspectives. I look at them from a numbers or an analytics point of view and Jake handles the tape. Um, it doesn't sound like you get enough words when I just say tape. Like I'm in, That's uh, perfect. Actually, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um... This week we didn't put out a poll on our Twitter handle at Dino Crossroads. We just asked for basic ideas. We were wondering if we should shake it up a little bit, do a group or do a tier or do something else. Um, and I think uh, what we've come down to is talking about two different prospects opposite each other. Um, the two wide receivers who I think are the topic of a lot of conversation right now. Um, Jay, I normally just throw it to you to to explain what we're talking about. So, do you want to you want to tell people about who we're talking about? Sure. So we uh, we chopped up the the first tier of these wide receivers. I know these are my top two rated wide receivers as we stand. I, I doubt that's going to change, but anything is possible. Uh, we're going to talk about Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf, who's a pretty polarizing player. Um, lacks production but has a lot of really good traits and then we're going to talk about kind of the opposite a uh, guy that's uh, my wide receiver two Nikhil Harry from Arizona State he maybe lacks um, some of the traits that really jump off to you on tape but uh, really you know produce at a high level there uh, his last two years in, in at Arizona State so those are the guys we're going to ju- uh, jump into I'm excited to uh, discuss these guys it should work well because um I don't know. I'm in a weird ranking stage right now. I don't have a numbered rankings tier. I do have a number one, though, and that would be Nikhil Harry. So that's basically the opposite of you. Um, right now, the model likes Greg Dortch, number two, Kevin Harmon, number three. I think just, you know, eye testing uh, the numbers, I'd probably put Harmon at number two, but there's a significant drop off there. Um, and with uh, DK Metcalf. There's like an asterisk on his name where if the draft capital meets the um, tape analysis that's going on right now, I can see him fitting in between Nikhil Harry and whoever else comes out too. Do you want to talk about their their uh, kind of profiles or do you want me to kind of discuss their tape? Do you want to discuss both of them or do you just want to start with one and then go to the next? Well, I thought we'd just generally talk about our lives and um, tell Much the people what idea. we're up to lately. But yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, why don't we start with like why you have, if you have a simple explanation. If not, you know, just do what you said. But why you have one over the other? Sure. Like, is there a simple reason? Yeah, and I think I think there's kind of a asterisk to this this whole conversation. And um, 
for starters, I do think this is a down class, and we, we talked about it a little bit. I think it was last week. Um, and I don't know if there is a 101 in this class. I don't know if any of these guys are 101 in the class, and I think Dynasty Dummies did a good job of talking about that in their last episode, and we'll probably reiterate a lot of that what they talked about on that episode. But um, for me, I'm going to go for the guy that has, I think, a really elite ceiling, personally, and that is mostly trait-based, and I understand people's issues with that. Um, it's hard to prove. It's 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 Historically speaking, it'd, it'd be an outlier, and, and people are uncomfortable with that, and I, I totally understand it. Um, but we got to judge this class by this class. And if we're judging this class by this class, DK Metcalf is going to be my wide receiver one because I think his game can translate to the NFL, and I think it can translate in a big way. I know DJ, DK and Metcalf has gotten a lot of comps to Josh Gordon, and I think that's probably a pretty fair comp. And I honestly think, we were talking pre-show, I think DK Metcalf might be the freakiest wide receiver we've seen since Julio Jones. Um, a lot of people are going to have a problem with that. Uh, Julio Jones produced at Alabama. He was a top 10 pick. Um, his production profile was much better than DK Metcalf's is. I mean, DK only played in... Um, 21 games in his whole career so he got hurt his freshman season his redshirt freshman season he got hurt after starting well um, in the first game at least and then in 2017 he played 12 games had 39 catches 646 yards and seven touchdowns and then this year uh, which was his sophomore season uh, remember he was redshirted he had he played in seven games had 26 catches for 569 yards and five touchdown so he was off to a good start and he did look like he progressed nicely from his 2017 tape um but yeah i'm gonna judge this class by this class and if i have to take one of these wide receivers i'm gonna take the one that i think has a huge upside and maybe his floor is scary to some i don't know if it's all that much lower (laughs) than a lot of these wide receivers and uh honestly i'm not gonna take a high draft pick because of a floor Uh, that's not what i'm looking for out of these guys um i think i'd probably have the two running backs jacobs and montgomery over him landing spot and draft capital dependent but dk metcalf is just such a freaky guy um 6'4 230 pounds i think he's gonna smash the combine i think he's gonna run in the low four fours uh somewhere in that range i know he had a scary neck injury this past year that you know that's the reason he only played seven games, but he's been cleared medically to participate in all the drills at the combine, which is a good sign. He wouldn't declare early if he didn't feel like he was going to be healthy. So I think the injury risk is smaller than maybe some people are giving it credit to. But but this guy, if you watch his tape, uh, his ability to get off press coverage, his hand swipes, uh, his footwork, his double moves, he has this delay move off the line of scrimmage to set up defenders, and then he just bursts right past him. I know he has a limited route tree. They didn't ask him to run a lot of routes. I mean, he ran a lot of vertical routes. He played mostly out of the left wide receiver there at Old Miss. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to say A.J. Brown had a lot more production, but I just, I just don't see anything there with A.J. Brown, anything special by any means. He was wide open all the time. He played played out of the slot, didn't see much coverage, never saw press, kind of runs sloppy routes in my estimation on some of his routes. He appears a little bit lazy. Uh, But DK Metcalf is a guy that I think can run routes. He can sink his hips. 
Um, he can break off his routes. His double moves are fantastic. And he can take the top off of defense. So um, I think he can improve on that route tree. I think what he shows in the routes that he does run, he has everything that makes him capable of running every route there there is. But um, people are going to ding that, you know, and I understand that. They're going to say, you know, if he can run these routes, why didn't he? Why didn't they ask him to do this in college? Um, and that's a difficult question. So their quarterback, Jordan Tuamu, I, I just feel like D.K. Metcalf was open on a lot of his routes, and he just didn't get targeted, didn't even get looked at. Um, and we were talking pre-show as well. A lot of these quarterbacks, they they want their safe throws, and a lot of the time that's in the middle of the field, that's the wide receiver that's closest to him. And A.J. Brown was the hot read on, on most of the plays. And um, I, I think throwing to the hashes, throwing deep is a lot harder. And you also saw a lot of just bad balls thrown DK's way. So um, I'm going to make a lot of excuses for DK. <laughs> I understand that if you don't feel comfortable doing that, but I just fall back to, and I'm also a bit biased. DK was a guy that I drafted in my home Debbie league coming out of high school. So I did watch his high school tape and thought it was amazing. Um, you know, four-star recruit coming in at Ole Miss. Um, he's just been a guy that's been on my radar for years now, and I'm excited to finally see him come into the league. And, and partially why I have him as my wide receiver one is I have concerns about these other wide receivers in this class. Yeah, you might like DK Metcalf a little bit. Um, a little <laughs> bit more than me <laughs> as well. Um, Metcalf is the prospect this year, uh, at least, where the tape analysis is meeting up to the production. Um, just to profile him and what he did in college, the numbers he put up for his team in that situation, along with A.J. Brown and Lodge, Demarcus Lodge, I don't know, whoever, yep. whoever the guy everyone's going to be tricked into drafting in the third round <laughs> and shouldn't. Jake, are you a scout? No. Okay, because I'm looking for different words, because I, I don't know what it's like on your I side mean, of the aisle. I mean, I say I scout players, but I just, I'm not a scout. By no means am I a professional at what I do. Right, but I'm just looking for better words, because you know, if I have to write or say the word model one more time, I mean, at this point, it's a word that does not have any meaning. I've just said it too much, and everyone uses it, and it's almost like a... A bad word at this point like it's somehow a swear word so i'm trying to avoid it and i was wondering if it's the same like saying you're a tape guy like uh, yes i what i watch players that's yeah you know but th that's where the contrast comes up if he wasn't as loved frankly um from what you see on the field or from what tape guys <laughs> tape grinders or scouts see on the field then there would be really no reason to look at metcalf at all he would be easily dismissible to me so that, that's why is that i guess is the question well he only really played one full season that that's really the problem he played in his second year at age 19 at that age he had 16 percent of his team's receiving yards now he had 16% of his team's receiving yards. Now, the way I value that is I look how that compares to past draft prospects that were successful in the NFL. What were they doing at age 19 for their team? And because you're using the percentage, you're not using the raw stats, it's a more direct comparison. In this situation, how valuable was he to the team, um, essentially? Um, and it comes close to the average. If that was his just one year that he had and his other two years were good, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest, to be clear. Like, 16% is no small amount. Um, and he was also pretty good in touchdowns, so that when you combine 
combine his touchdowns and receiving yards to actually get a 20% score, which means he broke out at age 19, which is positive. That's kind of the age we want everyone to be in. Somewhere between 18 to 20 is great. 18 is best, obviously. Um, But 19 is like the majority of good NFL players break out at 19. So that is a positive. Despite the fact he was under under average in just his yards the fact he actually broke out that year because the amount of touchdowns he was producing is good so his one good season i would say overall is good but it doesn't impress just in terms of numbers to be clear it's just it's what we need so just from knowing that it means that there is something to all this love and hype coming from um, what he's actually looking like on a football field. But his other two years, he just didn't play. And it was because of injuries. It's not something you can say, give negative points for him being injured. It's not his fault. Injuries happen. He played seven years in his last year in 2018, age 20. He only played two games in his first year at age 18. So really, we just have this one season. I have seen his numbers broken down just over those seven games in his last year. And he, again, he reaches that 20% threshold, and that's good. It's not great. So that that's really the problem, is that I don't have enough to have a full profile. And what is, is kind of, okay, it does not match the sheer volume of, I'm going to call it adoration, Jake, that's coming from um, watching him on the field. People really like this guy. And tape being what it is, everyone sees something slightly different. I've heard him described as a player, like you were saying, that's got a limited route tree, which you can say isn't his fault. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to blame him. Damn you, DK Metcalf, you should have ran more routes. You do what the team asks you to. But based on looking at the past prospects since 2000, the main story I make for why players don't get asked to do more in in college is because they're not... They're not standing out. (laughs) They're not earning those opportunities or demanding their coaching staff consider them because of their level of play, which, again, does not match up to tape analysis. Um, So (laughs) uh, that's my problem with me. We're simply underproductive. Now, to go to do due diligence on the numbers, a relatively few numbers are actually useful for evaluating rookie prospects. I actually started to compare who was successful with this kind of production. That seemed like a fair question to me. It's not predictive. I'm not going to run a regression analysis on it but i want to know if there are other good players in the nfl who had a similar type of situation so the first thing i did is look at players with a similar type of predictive score in my in my own pre-draft model because i have a much bigger history of that than i have in most other things the players that came up on that list were a lot of players that we hoped could develop in the nfl and didn't so that was discouraging but there were some highlights like andre johnson and Brandon Marshall, and I've been told if I could find Vincent Jackson's team receiving yards that his profile would look very similar as well. These are players that had one good year um, at a later age uh, normally for all three, but they had a similar score just based on the amount of production they had for their team. And all three of those players were obviously really good NFL players, so that is a positive. And the problem, even comparing DK Metcalf to those guys, is they all, like in that one good year they had, they dominated. Like, they had over 40% of the team's receiving yards. Metcalf, again, highlights 16%, 20% if we combine it with touchdowns. So he was even underproductive compared to them. Now, having said that, that's not, you know, I don't write him off at that point. There's also um, some interesting analysis to do, though, if you... If you filter by yards per reception, which by itself is kind of useless, so I don't use it much, but I was looking for numbers that were good on DK's profile, and he has a very hard yard per reception, something like 18 yards per reception, which is incredibly high. 
So in that sample, I filtered players that were underproductive, um, sometimes because of injury, sometimes just because they broke out late, but had a similar predictive score. If I filtered by yards per reception, um, there were a lot of misses in the top 10, but there was also Andre Johnson, there was also Brandon Marshall, and there was also DK Metcalf. So that's the closest similarity I could find, that per target, per reception basis, he was... And producing a lot of yards per reception, like those other two examples, with similar under underproductive college seasons. So I thought that was positive as well. And again, just like, told me more of where the value is coming from. People watching him purely on tape, not purely on tape, but we're going to pretend people only do one or the other, because <laughs> that's the whole format of our show. Um, and that uh, mixes with a lot of stuff that I've heard. Like, um, your tape analysis is obviously where I turn to first, but I've also heard, like, uh, I just listened to the Dynasty Dummy show, and Kyle and Zach both seem to feel like that he did have a limited route tree, but the result of it was he was a more outside guy, right? He was running deeper routes. I think um, Zach's got a joke about him just being a hitch route guy. And a nine, nine route guy. Hitch route is Riley Ridley. <laughs> that, that, sorry, that matches up with his um, yards per reception. He's running a lot of deep routes with a limited route tree. So that, that's my problem with it. It doesn't mean I write him off. Like I said, I can see penciling him in because scouts and the tape is going to affect draft capital. If he, if he has these skills and gets that opportunity, he could easy, easily pay off. And um, the problem with that is I don't know which of them translate well to the NFL. I don't know how often they translate to the NFL. What the other things I can do is look at how well players or how often players get developed. The the other like asterisks on this is the NFL is not a developmental league. Very rarely do prospects get taught, develop, or even the opportunity to do any of those things, new skills or new traits, once they enter the NFL. Um, you're mostly drafted for what you can do. Now, if someone takes a shot, if they're seeing what everyone else is seeing when they watch them in college, they draft them in the first round and hand him opportunity like first round picks do, definitely he could pay off on that because he has these traits on film. But I don't know how likely those traits are to translate to the NFL. And he doesn't have production. He only has his tape to really attract one of those NFL teams. Now, as you said, though, he should really be a good star at the NFL Combine. That'll help him get extra draft capital. And so I'm hoping he does that as well. There's lots more to talk about here, but I think yeah. that's pretty much the difference. I think that's, yeah, two more two more little things. And it doesn't, it, it really doesn't matter. But he does have, I think one of my first ever articles for Dynasty Football Factory was on DK Metcalf. Um, he does have some really good bloodlines. His dad was an NFL player. His uh, uncle was Terry Metcalf, who played for years for the Cleveland Browns. Um, so he does have those bloodlines. Um, I think he is going to be prepared for this league. He was. I heard uh, Joe Marino from the the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, DK Metcalf benched a hundred pounds when he was five years old. <laughs> So That's he is, fun. <laughs> he's just he's and if you've ever seen pictures of him, he's absolutely rocked up. So like none of that stuff really none of that stuff really matters, but it's just it adds to how impressive he is as a specimen. Right, I get it. It's part of the attraction, right? Um where everything is unpredictable, you may as well just go to the guy that impresses you whenever <laughs> you see him. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he's also good in he's also a really good red zone target. Um, and he's good in contested situations. So it's not like I – th- I think a lot of people just assume that he's just like a speed guy. Um, but I think he's more than that. You know, he can be used on comeback routes. 
Um, he used it in the screen game a little bit. And, um, you know, the separation he gets downfield is, is really impressive. And, and like I said before, his releases are just a thing of beauty and I, some of the best releases I've seen in, in quite a long time. Yeah, I kind of like the way Zach says it, though. You kind of really have to tell yourself that story. He, he yeah, didn't do, you do. it. You just you think he can. And I've I, just been I've been telling myself that story for like three years. So, <laughs> I guess, right. I, I guess one other thing I'd add is that there is like a pet peeve um, argument going on where because AJ Brown was there because of, because Demarcus Letty Lodge was there that held everyone back because there were three players. And I mean, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's it's just what not it is. true. I think the I think the offense just ran through the slot position at, at Ole Miss. I mean that's. That's where the primary targets were going. Not to say DK wasn't the primary target on, you know, a decent amount of snaps, but, um, you know, A.J. Brown just had a lot of easy looks and a lot of easy throws for his quarterback, and I think that's why his stats were so much better. Yeah, I just, I hate the, he would have been better if that guy wasn't there. I mean, if you needed A.J. Brown to be gone to to do better, then you are going to really have a tough day one in the NFL when the other guy on your team is Sammy Watkins. Sure. Or the other guy on your team is Chris Connolly, also an athletic freak. Sure who hasn't done much, also came up on that list, by the way, of similar players. Like, he's going to meet his athletic equals if he hasn't yet. And if A.J. Brown and Demarcus Lodge was holding him back... Yeah, I don't buy into that narrative. Just don't get sucked into that narrative of this player would have been... Or just ask yourself the question, if this guy needed college player A to be gone, how easy is it going to be when NFL player A is now his new competition? Right. You know what's, you know what's funny? I just looked up. DK and Nikhil are three days apart in their birthday. They're both 21 years old. Um, they both turned 21 this past December. That's kind of the frustrating part. Like, yeah. what if Metcalf had been injured in his first year? Right. Or what if he had played out... Like, if he'd stayed in school and did what you, Elisa, are expecting him to do, his profile would look better than Andre Johnson's. It would right. look better than Brandon Marshall's. Like, I'm not going to say a kid should stay in school because what the fuck do right. I know about that decision? It's almost like if I had another year and he broke the age curve, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I see you, Jake. You're right. Because yeah. the other pr- players on that list, those guys did. Marshall and Johnson stayed in school and then dominated 40%, like I said. But then you've also got, like, Philip Dorsett, who stayed in college that extra year with similar production to Metcalf but did not dominate that last year. And that would almost be a deciding factor of which way he goes. Instead, we're going to get that year in the NFL. If he gets a draft capital, I'm willing to believe it. He's going to be below Harry for me because I don't have to guess with Harry. Harry wasn't injured, played all three years, and absolutely dominated like to a higher degree as well. So it's not that Metcalf might not be that. It's that I'm a lot more confident Harry is. That was my attempt at a transition there, Jay. Do you want to tell me what you think of Harry a little bit? Yeah, I mean... Nikhil Harry is a guy that I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Uh, the The main concern I have is his ability to separate from coverage and to beat man man coverage and, and press coverage. Um, uh, that's really the only negative uh, I have with him. I think he might be limited athletically, but every other aspect of his game, he's just he's a beast. He's a monster. Um, he was the focal point of that offense. He's fantastic in contested situations. They they play him all over the field. He plays out outside, out wide, um, left side of the field, right side of the field, both slot positions. 
Um, so they move him all over the place, and I think that's really an underrated thing with a lot of wide receivers. And that's another issue with DK is they primarily only put him in the left side of the field. He played outside on the right side of the field every once in a while, but um, you know he was that prototypical X wide receiver on that left side of the field. DK or uh, Nikhil was used all over the place. Um, he runs okay routes. Um, but they used him, he runs all the routes. You know, he, he used him in slants. They used him on screenplays. He played some wildcat. He had some punt returns, which is another thing. It's just, it's funny for a guy that's not like going to be a superb athlete. They used him in some areas that they thought he was plenty good of an athlete. So, um, I think he's going to be fine there. Um, but you know, his run blocking is really impressive. He's a mean dude. And, um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a beast of a guy too. Um, you know, his really good hands. Um, I don't know what else I, I, I have on him other than um, my only concerns. Are, and I, we, I think we talked about this before we started too, is, you know, he has this move when he gets press coverage where he tries to, he, he tries to like to do the stutter step, which a lot of wide receivers do, do to try to beat uh, press coverage. And he just kind of stutters there with the cornerback just kind of just waiting there for him to make a move. He's not really faking anybody out um you know I, I don't see his hand usage off the line of scrimmage like i see with dk um so i think there are some concerns there and where i'd like to see him play is out of the slot actually because he is really good in the intermediate game um he's good deep in contested situations but he's not good deep because he's not beating coverage like he's blanketed a lot of the times and he does win a lot of those i just don't think you can count on that at the nfl level but I think if you could play him as a big slot, I think he could really eat because he understands zones. He runs a lot of the routes. He has a really good field awareness and, and just feel for the game. So he's a guy that I like. He's my wide receiver too. I don't have a lot of knocks out of him out of, other than a couple, and those couple are the reason why I have DK as wide receiver one and, and Nikhil right now as wide receiver two. And then it's a big drop-off for me. Okay, compared to DK Metcalf, Harry didn't miss any time. He got to play all three years, say age 18 to 20, and he did not miss a note. There is not a prospect in this class that has a higher production score in any position, really, um, uh, than Nikhil Harry. He doesn't miss a note. It's not that he doesn't miss a note. Like, he walks up to that note, kicks it around, because he said he was a bit of a beast, and I kind of agree. Um, so he probably smashes it in the face a few times, and then he just goes above it. Um he had 26% of his team's receiving yards and touchdowns at age 18, which is 6% more than DK Metcalf had at age 19, a year older than him, in his one healthy season. At age 19, it rose to 36%, and age 20, it rose to 40%, which is actually another benchmark. You're expected to do a lot better in your final season than you are your first season, just because that's the way learning and getting better at the game goes. And he absolutely dominated um, with over 40% of his team's production at age 20. Um, there's no bad things on his production profile. Over the last three draft classes, he comes in fourth place behind Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, DJ Moore, and Nikhil Harry. Juju, Corey, um, well, people might have questions about Corey, and I really don't after last year, but hopefully at least DJ Moore and uh, Juju have proven that, that they have transferred their production into the NFL as well. So he he's really scoring high. He drops a bit if we take it down to the 2014 class, but again, his scores are similar 
to um, Mike Evans, or similar to Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry. He's scoring those types of um, production profile scores in my you know boring pre-draft modely thing. So um, I, I really like him. Like not just like compared to this class, even compared to classes going all the way back to 2014, I'd have him ranked very high in the first round at least um, in almost any class since 2014. And again, he had that advantage which he had no control over. He could easily have been injured like Metcalf was. So we actually get to see what he could do um, in college. And what he could do is exactly what the best prospects and the best NFL players have done. But these things aren't exponential. You don't get an 80% score like Juju and you expect five first first top five wide receiver seasons and if you only get 60 you expect two it's not really how it works it's just comparing how similar it is to the best prospects since 2008 and Nikhil Harry scores as well in the same region in the same area code the NFL is not a developmental league so the concerns over the techniques of his game actually do concern me Uh, like I can't remember a lot of that being laid on DJ Moore's door or Corey Davis do you know the I think it's a baseball analogy where if two players have the same stats, and let's just say Metcalf would have had similar stats. Let's give him all the credit. Just talking about, you know, uh, the tape side of it, what you're not seeing from Harry and what you did see from DK, the free releases, uh, the failed stutter step you're talking about with Harry. And there's a baseball analogy that says if two players have the same stats, but one has perfect form, you take the guy with imperfect form because that just means his potential is a lot higher. Does that make sense? Yes. And does that seem yeah. fair? I think that does seem fair. So yeah, Harry wins, <laughs> and we'll what? No, <laughs> I mean, um, listen, I have no problem with anybody that wants to have Harry as their wide receiver one. The only thing, the only thing I'll, you know, argue to the death, <laughs> and, and a lot of it is just, you know, it's having some fun with this, and it's nothing personal by any means. Is basically DK being anywhere lower than wide receiver two. That's the only problem. I'll probably argue with somebody about it. Uh, Harry one, I have no problem. Um, I understand it. Anybody else? I just, I personally don't see it. Um, yeah, I get that. I mean, we're playing fantasy football not as a job, right? <laughs> you just want the guy you want, and frankly, that's the way you should play it. Um, I guess my, from what you said about Harry, the thing that concerns me, you know, someone who would take Harry, like you, you did go into it a little bit, but could you say any more about why you think he has a lower ceiling? Yeah, just because I, I do feel like that inability to beat press um, and that inability to win deep with separation. I think those could limit his upside. Yeah, I just don't see it. Um, I can't see it from the just purely production. He compares to those dominant players that do it a variety of different ways. It's not so. like his. I wouldn't say his press is like the worst in the world. I just it's it's after watching DK and you compare these two, their releases aren't in the same ballpark. Um, their separation aren't in the same ballpark. Yeah, it's probably not even fair to really compare those two traits there. Um, but he's definitely not elite in those two factors. Um, and I think those are concerns because I think you can win the way Harry won in college easier than you can win in the NFL. And you could say that pretty much about anything in college. But I just think it's going to be hard to rely on all those contested situations in the NFL. That's my only hesitation. And that's why I think his ceiling's probably a little bit lower. But would I be surprised? If he still wins in the NFL, not really. Yeah, it really would be interesting to know how well stuff like that transfers. Like, uh, 
like um, how often players get better or get worse or or go one way or the other, and it does, there's no way of knowing. Um, you have said that he should play more in the slot, and you know, I guess the answer is every player. Every should, player right? should, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's always better. I just so, think that yeah. can maximize his skill set. So, like the two concerns that I have with him, I think are going to be um, belabored by playing outside. So I'm not saying he has to play. 100% slot, but I think it'd be and the fact that he did play slot a decent amount in college um, I think it just speaks to you know, using a player where their skill set can be um, used the most, and I think his skill set is better out of the slot than it is outside, and it's not that saying he can't play outside, because he'll probably play primarily outside, but I do like the thought of him playing a big slot role. Yeah, I'd love that too <laughs> just because, like you, like you said, it's just better. Yeah. Um, what has to happen to Harry or Metcalf to drastically increase or decrease? And I guess I'll do Harry since I have him as one. Like as long as he's drafted in the first three rounds, I'm willing to bet on the Stefan Diggs rule that NFL teams sometimes get it wrong, and he'll stay a first round pick for me. But he won't be in the top three. Like I'm willing to let him fade to the middle. Um, if he gets drafted outside the first two rounds, like it's silly not to listen to that signal of the NFL telling what kind of opportunity he's going to get. I don't think, like, I don't want him on the Bills, but I don't think there's a landing spot that can seriously drag my expectation of him down significantly. Maybe my immediate expectation, but, like, I'm still going to be in on him. And Metcalf, I really need him drafted in the first round. Like, the higher, the better. Mm -hmm. And the best landing spot, the better. Because it's just going to be easier to bet on the stuff that I can't can't count. Yeah. No, honestly, for, for me, yeah, for me, like... It's it's almost opposite for me because, like, I believe in the talent so much. Like, I don't care if he's drafted in the first 15 <laughs> picks. Like, I'd rather have him go to the back half to a good team, you know, with a good quarterback. Um, Obviously. That doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. Would, that, would you prefer the, you know, like a top 10 pick than, say, 20-whatever to a good team? Yeah, that's a better question. I guess I would prefer a better landing okay. spot than a better okay. draft pick. That's, that's as long fair. as it's within, like, the first round for you. I really want him to be. Okay. But if it's in the first two rounds, I'm not going to say, ah, see, he's terrible. Gotcha. <laughs> like, gotcha. second-round receivers are fine, yeah. but the lower he falls, the more worried I'm going to be that the team's actually sure. going to invest like, in trying to. Part of, my, part of my concern is that he is going to be drafted so high to a really bad team um, that would suck. That would that would not be great. So um, <laughs> that's actually one of my bigger concerns with him is I think he's going to kill the combine so much that he's a top 15 pick and maybe he goes to a really bad situation with a bad quarterback and um, that wouldn't be great. And that's fair. I, I do think, I don't think there's enough to really study it enough, but like there are some coaches who are going to put in the effort. Like the NFL in general isn't, I say, isn't developmental, but Andy Reid sure as hell gets creative with some of his players. He'll bet on them and try and develop them, and I think Belichick does. Well, I think I think the bigger I think the bigger thing is using players where they win rather than necessarily making them develop. It's more catering their offense to their skill set. Uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly put. It doesn't feel like the end because I think everyone's expecting us to like break up and just shout at I each thought other. that was going to be. I thought that was <laughs> like, going to be a lot more hostile. So I'm I'm happy. Yeah. Um. Like, it's not Riley Ridley. I, I guess that's where we'll break up. I don't know. <laughs> there will be a <laughs> but day. But even that, that guy didn't play much. <laughs> there, there will be a day where we discuss Riley Ridley. I know we will. Sure. All right. Um, is there anything <clears throat> else you want to add? 
No. That, you know, the blue-collar American story out there for good old Metcalf <laughs> to really grind in how terrible I am. Uh, no, you just did it. That's fine. Okay. Uh, just, uh, you know, any support that you can give the show is appreciated. Reviews, uh, subscriptions, uh, buying T-shirts, fantasy football outfitters on Amazon. All that stuff is good. You know, it makes us feel good about what we're doing and all the time we put into this. So, I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we wouldn't be doing it probably if nobody listened. So we're, we're happy we do have followers. Uh, we have four or five listeners, which is great. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. And I'm excited to keep continuing the rookie draft season. Yeah, I would say we got a lot of feedback on what we should talk about tonight. Obviously, we couldn't listen to hardly any of you because we only do one thing. <laughs> and we had so many great suggestions. Uh, but if nothing else, that lets us know someone uh, at least is pretending to care about what we talk about. And that, that's great. I want to thank everyone for the comment or offer the suggestion. Even if we can't do it, um, or even if you're not doing anything else, just commenting on that Dynasty Crossroads poll or talking to us, that's that's that makes it worth mm-hmm. it, to be honest with you. Keep doing it as long as we got that. Or just, actually, we'll probably just, I will keep doing it. You'll leave and I'll just be here <laughs> <laughs> doing the Dynasty Crossroads by myself. Who knows? Uh, or... Um, if you're looking for something to support that isn't two jamokes in their basement uh, talking about fantasy football, the like um, speaking of Riley Ridley, who was it that put out that bet? I think that was Dino Economist, um, one of my co-workers over at uh, when I first started at Dynasty Football Factory. Yeah, just wanted to give a shout out in general. He's putting up a five dollar bet. It's not really about the bet or the player. It's because he's donating the money, all the money um, that anyone bets. Um, is going to Fantasy Cares, which is a good thing Fantasy does for all of us. Yeah, it's at Dino Economist. If you're looking for another reason to feel great about playing fantasy football, that's a fun one, yeah. I think. That is that is his pinned tweet, if you want to go look it up. Uh, thanks for joining us here at the Crossroads again. Um, keep talking to us on Twitter, like I said, so we keep getting better. Hope you had fun this week with us at the Crossroads. I did, like I do every week. And we will see you again next week. Later. Sending boards, so I'm assuming I'm repeating myself. That's perfect, actually. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I should just shut up. That would, that would not be great. Alright, so future Pete, who's editing this. <laughs> Alright, it's a good job you pointed it out. It doesn't sound like you get enough words.